Brothers and sisters in Christ, I uh, invite you to open once again uh, to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, our text uh, this morning will begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 8. And we're going to read down through Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7. Again, you can find the book of Ecclesiastes a little after the center of your Bibles. It's Psalms is right in the center and then Proverbs and then Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11, verse 8. While you're opening there, um, let me uh, bring greetings to you from the church that I serve, the West Springfield Covenant Community Church. It's a sister PCA congregation uh, just kind of over the Berkshire Mountains uh, into western Massachusetts, about two hours from here. Um, I have known of this congregation, and I've told some of you this, I have known this congregation from, uh, from the time that I was about 18 years old, uh, and I was aware of Mark Bell through the ministry that, um, or through the church that I had become a part of as an 18-year-old, and had heard how Mark and Claudia had come up here, that Mark might serve as pastor of this church. So it's a congregation of which I've been aware for many years, uh, and I am so thankful for uh, uh, the ministry that is going on here. I've just been just supremely blessed these last, uh, this last day and a half or so that I've spent among you, meeting so many of you, uh, seeing the love that you have for the Lord Jesus, uh, the commitment that you have to the gospel uh, in an area that is largely barren of faithful gospel churches. I am so thankful for this congregation uh, and for the work that you are doing here. Um, I'm sorry that my rest of my family can't be with uh, can't be with me. Many of you have met my wife Megan. She was a speaker here for a women's conference about four years ago or so, and uh, we also have four children at the home: uh, uh, boys that are 17, 15, and 14. Brad, Caleb, and Nate, and then a little girl Evie who is six years old. Uh, but uh, perhaps at some future time we'll have a chance for you to meet them. But um, it is such a joy. Uh, we've been in Ecclesiastes together. I hope uh, that this little dip into this book has been good. Again, in the course of uh, just one weekend, we can't go through every nook and cranny of what Ecclesiastes has to say to us. I've tried to group um, portions of this book kind of thematically. And so the very first night on Friday night, uh, we saw kind of the preacher's opening words, vanity, uh, of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity, and that we saw that when life is considered under the sun, that is, life with only reference to ourselves and the things that we see and no reference to God, that every search for ultimate purpose, ultimate significance, ultimate meaning will end in absolute futility. Solomon was a man who had it all in terms of this world's things. And his conclusion was, it is all vanity. It's like trying to catch vapor, and you grab it, and you open up your hand, and at the end, there is nothing there. And so that led us Saturday morning uh, to consider, well, is there any meaning to this life? And we looked at the very end of the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, at the end of chapter 12, and we saw uh, the, the preacher there say, well, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And we saw that is when we, by faith, 
lay hold of Jesus Christ and the saving work which God has accomplished through him, uh, and we then fear God, that is, reverence him, have him at the center of our lives, and in response to his grace, seek to obey his commandments, that that is the type of life that the Lord greatly blesses. And then suddenly, when we do that, it's no longer the case that nothing matters, but rather it's the case that everything matters. Because even in the very simple things of life, whether it be in a good meal, or whether it be in the work that we accomplish, or in the families that the Lord has given us, even in the, or in the celebrations that we, uh, are, or that we participate in, even in those things we see the good hand of God and the gifts that he gives. And so we make it our aim not to idolize the things of the world, but rather to enjoy these things as generous gifts from our loving God and to serve him with all of our might. And so then we saw that we are then to seek first his kingdom and invest in kingdom ventures, trusting the Lord for the return that he will bring. And that, friends, is the life that matters. Well, then this morning in the course of the Sunday school hour, uh, we took this whole idea of keeping the Lord at the center of your life and how that takes us from a futility to meaning, and we considered that uh, with reference to issues of the passage of time. Uh, time moves on. Time moves quickly. Is there any meaning at all in the passage of one moment to the next? And we saw that there is when the Lord is at the center of our lives, uh, that the Lord is even working through the very ordinary moments of our days conforming his people under the image of Jesus Christ, redeeming us. He is the one who orders everything that happens in the course of our days by his providence. And he is the one who ultimately will bring us on the other side of death into his presence forever and ever as the one who has conquered death. And so, dear friends, as Christians, we have tremendous reason for hope and for optimism. Ecclesiastes is, at the end of the day, not a pessimistic book. It is, as I said on the other day, it is starkly realistic about life in this world. But it is, it is also wonderfully, freshly optimistic and joyful about what it is to live with the Lord at the center of our lives. And so let's now turn uh, today in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 8 is going to be our passage down through chapter 12 and verse 7. And taking some of this perspective that we've had, we're going to see in these verses particular counsel given on the one hand to those who are young and on the other hand to those who are old. Let's hear God's word now. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 8. So if a person lives many years, let him uh, rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. 
Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of a song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And we're going to stop the reading uh, right there at the end of verse 7. Well, let's now look again to the Lord uh, in prayer. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for uh, your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. Though we certainly continue to have many questions about what it means, what it's saying to us in many places. Lord, we thank you for the gospel light that does shine forth from this book and the opportunity we've had to consider it together over a few days. Lord, our God, we pray that you would continue to minister to our souls even this hour. You know what each one of us needs. Lord, you are the God who not only made us but preserves us. And if we belong to Jesus Christ, you are the God who also feeds us daily with the truth of your gospel and who ministers in the very depths of our hearts by your Holy Spirit. And it is that ministry that we long for and desire uh, even this morning. Oh Lord, come and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. It was uh, Ponce de Leon who first landed on the shores of this continent looking, you'll remember, for the fountain of youth. A fountain which restores the youth of anyone who drinks or bathes in its waters. And though St. Augustine, Florida today contains the Fountain of Youth Archaeological Park as a tribute to that explorer, alas, you can search that park high and low and you will find absolutely no fountain of youth. And so even though people in this world spend billions of dollars every year uh, seeking to put off old age, people still age and they still age quickly. One writer, David Gibson, speaks of, quote, the perplexity of the speed of life as it hurtles toward its conclusion, just as it seems to get really going. And I think that is a truth. It's one of the truths that we considered in the Sunday school uh, 
a class this morning how quickly life seems to pass and we do move from old uh, to young uh, or from young to old age and it happens just a it was not long ago that I was down um, in Mississippi, uh, the church that I used to serve there. I've been in Massachusetts eight years now, uh, and I happened to be there during the week and showed up at uh, their prayer meeting night on a Wednesday night. Uh, for a few of the people in the room, it had been the first time that I'd seen them. This was about a year ago, so the first time I'd seen them in seven years. Okay, It was a joy to see their faces. These are people that I dearly love. Um, we served with them 11 years in the gospel, lovely people. But you know what my first thought was as I looked at many of them? It was, they've really gotten old. <laughs> and it was the same people, but suddenly people that were little children when I was there were teenagers, and those that were teenagers were now young adults, and some of those who had been young adults were now getting a little gray in their hair, and some of those who had been middle-aged were now retired, and their older age, and there were people that were missing from that room who had gone on to glory to be with the Lord. Okay, It never occurred to me that whole time that I was there that they probably looked at me and thought the same thing. <laughs> He's gotten a little bit older. <laughs> but uh, And that's the case, isn't it, that we uh, sometimes think of others aging and don't think of ourselves, uh, uh, of it happening to us, but it's happening to all of us. Uh, we do move through life from young uh, to old age, and yet the Bible has words to say to us whether we are young or whether we are old. And both in, young, in our young years and in our old age, both of those are wonderful times to serve the Lord. And one of the wonderful things about the scriptures is that it doesn't live in some kind of fantasy land, but it is starkly realistic about life in this world, and it acknowledges the fact that we do age, we do pass from young years into older life, and it gives us instruction where we are at. So what I want to do today is to, uh, in this passage, I think that there is instruction here both for those of us that are young and for those of us uh, that are old, okay? And that's why I kind of want to structure today's sermon. First of all, we're going to consider some counsel for the young. We're going to see this in chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, and chapter 12 and verse 1. And then, secondly, we're going to consider some counsel for those who are older uh, in chapter 12, verses 2 through 7, and in chapter 11, verse 8. Counsel for the young, and then counsel for the old. Now, because I'm splitting the sermon up in this way, it doesn't mean that you can just tune me out for half of the sermon, depending on which category that you're in. Uh, by the young here, I'm referring certainly to any that are children or teenagers. I'm referring as well to those that are young adults. I still like to think of myself as young, and so if you're my age or anywhere around there, well, those words are probably largely uh, for you. But if you're a little bit older and more advanced in years, well, again, don't tune me out in the first part of the sermon uh, because the words that I speak here are perhaps words that you can speak to those that you know that are younger. Friends that you have, perhaps children or grandchildren that you have, and it will teach you as well how you can pray for them. And so let's hear, first of all, this counsel uh, for uh, the young 
And so I do want to speak to the young. Uh, you can see that, verse 9 says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Solomon here gives words that are especially for uh, the young. And if you are one of these young, I want to have, or the scriptures are going to here give you three words that I want to tell to you today. Three different things. And the first of these things here, the Lord says to you, if you are young, first of all, that God calls you to live a joyful life. God calls you to live a joyful life. Do you know that God desires that you would be cheerful, that you'd be happy? It's actually one of the oldest lies of the devil that God wants us to be miserable. Okay, It was in the Garden of Eden that the serpent said to Eve, well, did God really say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? What's the serpent implying? What a killjoy God is. God is keeping you from what will make you really happy. In reality, God wasn't a killjoy at all. God did make those trees for their enjoyment, and they could eat of any of those trees except for the one by which the Lord tested their obedience, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But that lie that was in the Garden of Eden, that God does not want our joy, is a lie that has been repeated through the centuries. And that's how many people view religion, isn't it? Well, religion will make you miserable. If you really want to enjoy life, live for yourself. Live for the world. But look what Ecclesiastes says in verse 9. It says, rejoice, young man. In your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. And it goes on to say, walk in the ways of your heart, that is, in the things that you inwardly think and feel, and in the sight of your eyes, that is, in the things that you outwardly observe and experience. And the Lord desires that we would enjoy life in this world, to enjoy uh, laughter and, and time with friends and exhilaration and using our creativity and gifts, the joy of learning new things and to feel pleasure as you play sports or as you make music or as you go on hikes. All of these things that we enjoy are things that have actually been created by the living God for our enjoyment Enjoy life. But you'll notice, secondly, he tells us not only do, should we enjoy these things, but that we find joy, secondly now, by removing the sins of youth. By removing the sins of youth. At the very end of verse 9, it gives us a timely warning. He reminds us, know that for all these things, everything that we do in our life, God will bring you into judgment. He's saying, remember that the things that we do, we aren't to be living merely for ourselves, but we live under the all-seeing eye of God, and we are to live and to find joy in the things that he calls us to find joy in. And so verse 10 tells us to remove vexation from our 
uh, from our hearts and to put away pain, and literally the word there is the word uh, for evil. Okay, you'll even see that if you have an ESV in the footnote of your Bible, to put away evil from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. And so here he is calling us, recognizing that in our sinfulness, we have the temptation to fill our lives up, uh, on the one hand, with vexations. That is, with the consuming cares of this life. And maybe for you, it's that you're anxious, anxious about uh, about the grades that you're going to make in school or anxious about how popular you are or the way that you appear, okay? Or you're anxious about, uh, about the new job that you have. These kinds of vexations that consume your heart, he is saying, well, put these things off, cast your cares on the Lord. Don't be consumed by these things, but not only the vexations from our heart, but he says, put away the evil from our bodies, that is, put aside the pitfalls of sin, both in your heart and in your flesh. Your youth is not going to last forever, and so don't give yourself over to the sins of your youth. And what a timely remember, uh, reminder this is. The Lord desires our joy, but we aren't going to find joy in the sins of our youth. So whatever those sins are, uh, to which you are tempted, the Lord is saying to you, put away these things. Confess these things. Repent of them. Whether it be the sin of selfishness, thinking that the world revolves around you, or the sins of rebellion, desiring the authority of, or excuse me, despising the authority of parents or teachers or church, living in your own way, whether it be in a cynical or sarcastic or complaining attitude uh, that many young people have. Or perhaps it's in the, uh, the sins of foul language or of habitual patterns of deceit or dishonesty. Or perhaps it's sexual sin. Perhaps it's a sin of pride, thinking that you know everything. Uh, that you are the one who is, who's, who's wise and those who are older are ignorant and stuck in their ways. And, and dear friends, the Bible calls us in our youth here to put aside these sins of our youth. Find joy, the Lord says, by putting aside these sins. Turn away from these sins. Put them to death. But the third thing that we have by way of counsel to those who are young is this. It is by telling us that you find joy by remembering your creator. Chapter 12 and verse 1, and this is one of those verses that is worth memorizing. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. What's the greatest way to joy as a young person? Well, it is to remember your creator even when you are young. You know, when we talk about that word remember, we can remember things in different ways. Sometimes by the word remember, we just simply mean to recall something. I just heard somebody recently who said, you know what, I actually remember what my phone number was when I was a little child. I wonder how many of you do. I do. I could give it to you, my phone number from when I was five or six years old. Okay. But what do I mean by remember? I mean, somehow in the deep recesses of my brain, those 10 digits were stuck, and I was able to somehow to bring that to the forefront of my mind. 
Well, here, by the word remember your creator, it's saying that we aren't simply to recall certain facts about the Lord that have been made by God, that this world belongs to him, but rather also that we are to live in light of those things. So here to remember means to place God continually at the forefront of our minds, that the dominant reality, moment by moment and day by day, that I would recall is this, that I am the creation of Almighty God, that I've been made in His image, that I've been put here for His purposes, that the chief end of my life is to bring glory to Him and to enjoy Him. It is to remember as well Certainly the redeeming work of our Lord Jesus Christ, that I have been redeemed at great cost through his precious blood. And that I trust in this one who loved me and gave himself for me, and I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. I belong to him, and I'm to serve him in this world. And it is this truth of the fact of our creator, of who God is, that in our youth needs to be at the very forefront of our minds. And as we go about our studies, well, why are we studying? We're studying to know this God who has made us and the wonders of his world. As I'm living with my friends, well, my purpose is to bring glory to this God and to honor him in everything that I do. When I get a job and I begin my career, well, even in that, it's to serve the Lord. I'm not living for myself. You see, in every moment, especially of our young life, the temptation is we're so caught up in all the fresh and new and exciting things and, and friendships and careers and where I might move and what I might do and all of the, the joys of youth that we're tempted to put God somewhere back in the deep recesses of our brain. And instead he's saying, no, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And can I just again speak to those of you that are young? Um, there is no better time to serve the Lord than when you're young. It's the very best time to come to know Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because if you come to know him when you are young, then he will be with you every step of the way, through every stage of life. You know, I'm one who, I came to be a Christian when I was a child. That's when I came to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And I lived my teenage years. I had sin and temptation, yes, but I was fundamentally walking with the Lord. And you know something? I never for one day have regretted that that was the case with me. Never for one day have I said, oh, I wish it was just, I wish I could have lived for the world when I was young and then become a Christian later in life. No, of course not. The best time to become a Christian is when you are young. And do you know that as a young person, there's so many wonderful things that you can do. The best time to, to read God's word and to memorize it is when you're young. You know, you get old, you can't remember what you read two seconds ago. But when you're young, it sticks in your mind. So you read the Bible when you're young, and it, and it sticks. And when you're young as well, it's the best time to make Christian friendships that will become lifelong Christian friendships. I have a couple of those that have been friends from the time that I was young and together we still have a Christian friendship. It's when you are young that you can develop godly habits. I've known so many Christians who became Christians very late in life and 
their lives were filled with all sorts of ungodly habits and ways of life that they've had to try to break in their old age. And it's really hard. But when you become a Christian and you're young, it's the time to develop godly habits. It's the time as well, then, if the Lord brings you to a spouse, to find a Christian spouse, one that you can marry in the Lord and enjoy a lifetime of marriage together in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's when you become a Christian, when you're young, that you can do that. And it says, well, when you are young, that you often have liveliness and energy and joy. Those of you that are young, I, I can tell you that you can be some of the biggest encouragements to the church of Jesus Christ, that every church that I've ever been in, certainly, are extremely encouraged, extraordinarily encouraged by young people, whether it's children, teenagers, young adults, young married couples, young singles that are living all out for Jesus Christ. There are few greater encouragements in the life of the local church than seeing that. And so can I call those of you that are young today to remember your creator now in the days of your youth. And that's the way to a joyful life. It's the best life that there is to come to know the Lord even now. Live for God now. And again, what the world will sometimes say is they'll say, no, when you're young, now is the time to live for pleasure. You can get serious about God when you get older. Let me just say a couple of things to that. First of all, if you aren't interested in God now, what makes you think that you suddenly will be interested in him when you are older? You're presuming on a lot right there if you say, I'm going to wait till I get older to become religious. And what is more, what is more, you're going to have then so many more years in which you have lived for self and for sin Dear friends, the more that you get mired, as it were, in the rebellion of your own heart, the Lord can save people in older age. Sometimes he does. But don't presume on it. Don't presume on it. And can I say also, then, that say in God's mercy, say that's your attitude now, I'm going to get serious about God when I get older. Say in God's mercy that he actually does save you when you get older. You know, you're 40, 50 years old, 60 years old. We just had somebody in our church who was converted. 60 years old. Say in God's mercy you are saved when you're older. Do you know that if that happens with you, that what your biggest regret is going to be, it was that you wasted all of those years not knowing the Lord Jesus. Your biggest regret is going to be that you didn't serve him when you were 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 years old. So remember your creator now. It's the best time to become a Christian. And can I just say also, just as, as a church here, you all have invested in, in bringing the gospel to children and to teens, and, and what a wonderful investment that is. The Lord is pleased to use ministry like that. It is the best time to come to know the Lord Jesus. And so can I encourage you as a church to continue to do that, Seek to minister to those that are younger. And, and by God's grace and his mercy, might he bring some of them to know the Lord Jesus Christ.
Council for the Young. Let's move on quickly uh, now to Council for those who are older. Okay, Council for those who are older. We see this now beginning in uh, chapter 12 and verse 2. He says there, um, remember your creator in the days of your youth before uh, the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And then he goes on beginning in verse two to, to in a very poetic fashion to describe what happens uh, in growing old. It's a kind of poem about growing old. And there's a certain beauty to it. On the one hand, he is describing uh, the, the pains and the trials of old age. And he's saying to young people, remember your creator now so that you'll serve him when you're old. But there, there's a kind of beauty in this description. I just want to kind of walk through this poem with you a little bit. It's a it's, again, just a wonderfully realistic poem about what it means to grow old. Okay, verse 2, he says, It's before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Here he describes growing old as like a gathering storm when the clouds grow dark and they gather and it seems that no light peeps through and one trouble follows another. Doesn't that sometimes happen as we grow older? It seems that our troubles and our trials sometimes seem to mount, especially physical trials that we go through, but also the sorrows of life. It can become kind of a dark period, a difficult period of life. And then verse 3 begins to describe what happens to our body. It's an image, really, of a house that is in great decline. So verse 3, it says, in the days when the Keepers of the house tremble. What are the keepers of the house? There are arms and our hands. And what happens? They begin to shake. And then it goes on. And the, the strong men, our legs, are bent. Right? Begin to don't stand upright like we once did. Then it goes on. Uh, the grinders cease. Because they are few. Our teeth. <laughs> right? They begin to fall out. They don't work in the way that they once did. All right? Uh, those who look through the windows are dimmed. Those are our eyes. Can't see very well. I've just gotten to the stage myself where I'm needing reading glasses. And you'll see me occasionally coming down like this without them on. Uh, it's just the beginning though, right? You need reading glasses at my age and it just is the beginning of things not going well with your, with your eyes, all right? The doors on the street are shut, okay? What is that? Our ears. We don't hear things anymore. Hearing aids testify to the fact that our ears don't work quite so well any, anymore. Okay, uh, when the sound of the grinding is low, I think that's referring to our voice. Perhaps you used to have a voice like mine and could project. I don't need microphones usually, okay? I can project loud and clear. 
but not so much as we get older, right? Our voices don't work quite in the way that they once did. One rises up at the sound of a bird. Okay, this isn't so much metaphorical as it is. Okay, you suddenly wake up, you look at the clock, it says 4 a.m., you aren't falling back asleep. My teenagers could sleep through the entire day if you would let them, right? That's how it is when you're young. Not so much when you're older, okay? So you, you wake up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. And then it says, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. And doesn't that become, doesn't that happen when you get older too? You suddenly have certain fears and anxieties that never would have bothered you when you were young, Okay? Uh, things that, uh, uh, that, that make you uh, uh, fearful. The almond, blossom, or the almond tree blossoms. That's our hair. Turns white. <laughs> okay? Uh, the grasshopper drags itself along. Okay, how many of us have a gait like a grasshopper, right? Kind of dragging one foot behind the other. Sort of, right? Okay? And desire fails. Desire, really desire for all sorts of things, right? Desire sometimes just for life. It's just energy. You don't feel up sometimes for doing much of anything as you get, as you get older. What a description this is, all right? What, a, what an incredible image this is. Bishop Reynolds, uh, one commentator, says that old age doth by little and little take away sometimes one sense and sometimes another, this year one limb, the next another, and causeth, causeth man, as it were, to die uh, daily. You know, in my years as a pastor, I've, I've frequently had older members of my congregation that I've only gotten to know in their older age I think always one of the interesting things is to go into their home and to see pictures of what they look like 30 and 40 years ago. And 30 and 40 years ago, they were, they were young, vibrant, and full of life, and look like any other 30-year-old that you've, that you've met. And, and what happens? We age, and it happens to all of us. Not a one of us in this room has drunk from that fountain of youth that Ponce de Leon tried to find. So the Bible is honest and realistic about the difficulties of growing old. And can I just say that there's a wonderful comfort in a poem like this, that there's nothing that you go through that the Bible isn't already aware of. That, that this is part of the Lord's design. <laughs> there's a certain dignity that's being described here. Amidst the kind of the collapse of this old house, there, there's a certain dignity. There's no bitterness here. It's, it's the normal course that we take. And so, friends, as you suffer with some of the difficulties of aging, well, again, there's nothing here that catches the Lord by surprise. There's a certain beauty even, a certain dignity to it all. And do you know that the Lord call, calls us to find joy even as we grow old. Just as young people are called to find joy, so those who are older also are called to find uh, joy. We see this in verse 8. So if a person lives many years, um, 
If a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. If a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. So the Lord giving you many years. Well, the Bible says, even amidst a decaying body, a mind that's not quite there, eyesight that doesn't work quite in the way that it once did, you can still find joy in the Lord, even in your old age. And it's not just this verse out of Ecclesiastes that tells us this. Uh, there's a number of verses. Let me just read a couple of them. Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. says this. It says, O oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Even when we have gray hairs, might we proclaim the Lord's goodness. Or Psalm 92, I think this is just one of the most beautiful psalms in all of the Bible. Psalm 92, look with me at verse 12 to the end of that psalm. 92, verse 12. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. Here it is describing the Christian life as one who is like a tree that is planted and flourishes by the Lord's hand. And then listen to this, verse 14 they still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, if we can just go to one New Testament verse that makes this same point, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 says this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. We can just say that we can say that at any stage of our lives. We grow daily a little bit older. Our outer self is wasting away. But what nonetheless happens in the life of the true believer, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And where does that inner renewal come from? Friends, it comes from the only place that true joy is ever found at any age, which is from the Lord. It's from the Lord. In your old age, where is happiness to be found? It's not to be found in your friendships or in your attainments. Do you know people like that that are always... You know, you talk to them, and all that they ever want to bring up is some, something that they did 40 years ago, something that they accomplished. And they're living on the basis of their own attainments. It's what they used to be, what they used to have, what they used to accomplish. Friends, there's no lasting joy in our own attainments. There's no lasting joy in the wealth that we've accumulated, in the possessions that we have begun to attain. Those things are going to be taken from us. 
That's not where lasting joy is to be found, but rather in our old age, joy is to be found in the only place where joy ever is to be found, which is in the Lord. It's in the Lord. And that's what gives us an old age that is beautiful. J.R. Miller, pastor, 19th century pastor J.R. Miller says, he says, not all old age is beautiful. Not all old people are happy. Some are very wretched with hollow, corpse-like lives. And it's true. But I trust for those that are the children of God. Oh, what joy we can have, even while our bodies begin to fail us. What fresh joy there is, day by day, moment by moment, walking in the ways of the Lord. And when you do this, you will find that he will be your God, not only in old age, but also he will be your God as you transition into the next life as well. We're drawing very close to the end of the sermon here, but I want to just quickly talk about what we see in verses 5 through 7 in our passage in Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. Because there what we have described for us is actually a funeral service describes there halfway through verse 5, it says, because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Okay, it's a funeral service that's being described. Before the silver cord is snapped, it's an image for death, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern. Those are images for death. But what happens at that moment of our death while the funeral mourners mourn? It says that the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. What a beautiful even in the Old Testament here, what a beautiful expression that is of the hope that we enjoy as Christians. Amen. That when we die, our spirits, friends, go into the presence of the Lord. It's what we were talking about at the end of Sunday school as well. That to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It is to be with Christ, which is far better. It is to Behold him face to face. It is for our faith to turn into sight. And our bodies which do return to the dust which gave it. Nonetheless, being buried are still united to Jesus Christ. We still belong to him. And dear friends, there is coming that beautiful, glorious day when our bodies will be resurrected, joined to our sinless spirits, and we will be in the Lord's presence in a new heavens and new earth forever and ever and ever. And so for the Christian, death is never the end, but it is just the commencement, it is just the beginning of an eternal life with him. And friends, that is why we can have joy in old age. That's why. There's a dignity to old age. Yes, life is hard. It is filled with trials. You go from one doctor's appointment to the next. You can't do many of the things that you used to be able to do, and you can't even remember what you were supposed to do. 
okay? And, and you face trials, yes, trials of old age. You have loved ones die. Some of you have experienced spouses that have died and the heartbreak that it is. But amidst all of that, dear friends, there is a glorious, wonderful joy, even in old age, knowing the Lord and looking forward to an eternity with him. Well, might the Lord help us. Joy for the young and for the old in knowing this creator God. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the joy that is ours in knowing Jesus Christ. And we pray, O oh gracious God, that you would encourage our hearts by these words out of Ecclesiastes. So much of the world in which we live lives hopeless lives, seeking to collect the few trinkets that they collect and try to get as much pleasure out of this world as they possibly can get in the short life that they live and then they die. And Lord, you have made us for something far bigger than that. You've made us for yourself. And to find joy in you, in this life and in the life to come. Lord, use your word. Use the words that we have spoken out of Ecclesiastes this, this weekend together to encourage our hearts in these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, amen.